We have exciting news. So many of our propaganda listeners wrote in to ask how you could support the show that we created a brand new Beehive membership level, the Podcast Pollinators. Join fellow listeners as a member of the Podcast Pollinators, and when you do, you will receive a special mug, a subscription to Bitch Magazine in print and digital, a snazzy sticker, and Listen Bitch, a brand new monthly roundup of all our podcast shows and music reviews delivered straight to your inbox. Become a podcast pollinator today at bitchmedia.org slash pollinators. That's bitchmedia.org slash pollinators. Hello and welcome to Back Talk, the show where we talk about this week in feminism and pop culture. I'm Sarah Merck. I'm the online editor at Bitch Media, and I'm here with Amy Lamb, the associate editor, doing a funky dance. <laughs> As you can hear from my voice, uh, I'm a little sick. My voice is rather husky this week. I'm husky. <laughs> husky is a nice way to say it. Uh, I'm I got sick last week while traveling around the Midwest, so blame the Midwest for my voice. I was invited to travel around the Midwest to go speak at two different colleges uh, through Bitch's Bitch on Campus program. Uh, Grinnell College in Grinnell, Iowa, and then uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Students at both those schools brought me out to come talk about feminism and pop culture. So huge shout out to those schools and the students that do awesome organizing and social justice work there. Um, it was worth getting sick to come and talk to so many really exciting students. And if you're worried about the youth of today, don't be because they're awesome. Rad. Uh, my pop culture moment is about to happen tonight <laughs> at 730 uh, Pacific time. What, what, <laughs> what could it be? Uh, well, um, the Golden State Warriors are set to like break this really like huge record in the nba um they're set to theoretically win like 73 games in the regular season which is a huge record the last time uh so the the existing record which they've tied is with the 1996 chicago bulls where they won 72 games and lost 10 games so if the golden state warriors win tonight then they would have beat that record at 73-9 and that would that that would just be like such a huge deal and to be able to watch that would be super fun what do you do to celebrate when your team wins well they're like my team by proxy because I, you know, I'm a Trailblazers fan. Um, but <laughs> this is probably TMI. But sometimes when I get like super into a game and I'm watching it, and I'm really tense. Like you know, sometimes when you get nervous and you like clench your your butt. <laughs> so that's what's gonna happen when when I'm super excited. I can like release. <laughs> I can like be like, okay, like what I wanted to happen happened, and I'm so excited, and, and then I just kind of like do a jig in like my house because I, I actually don't like to go to bars to watch games because I get too nervous, and I get like too um, anxious. So that's something that I have to work on. But um, I'm gonna watch it in the comfort of my own home, where I can like be silly on my own. So on Back Talk, we talk about two pieces of pop culture news from the week. This week, we're talking about responses to North Carolina's discriminatory law that they passed, their anti-trans law. And then also five facts to know about pay equality and the wage gap, because this week was equal pay day. Are you ready? Yes. Let's go. All right. So first up, we're talking about reactions to North Carolina's discriminatory law that they recently passed. 
Amy, if people don't know about this law, can you like recap it in two sentences? Yes. So last episode, we talked about um, this, quote, bathroom bill. It's very transmisogynistic. So you have to go to the restroom that like theoretically matches your gender assigned at birth. Um, and then there are like actually bigger uh, like anti-LGBTQ things associated with it. So since that happened just two weeks ago, uh, Mississippi passed a, quote, religious freedom law, um, which is even more hardcore than the North Carolina law. And in this one, um, it allows people, businesses, and organizations with, quote, sincerely held religious beliefs to discriminate against LGBTQ folks. So examples of that, like, so this is, like, um, bigger than the bathroom law in a way because it lets, like, religious organizations deny marriage between LGBTQ folks. Um, It lets businesses, like, uh, fire and, and not hire LGBTQ folks. It lets people... Um, like keep from refusing to rent or sell property to LGBTQ folks. This is like a really huge, awful law that got signed in. And um, so this happened and then, you know, like with the North Carolina thing happening. Um, So I wanted to read up more about it. And I remember last year, a similar type of quote, religious freedom law passed in Indiana. And I wanted to see like what sort of economic consequences fell out of that. And uh, in an advocate piece, they said that, um, they lost about $60 million in revenue. Wow, the state of Indiana after passing that discriminatory law. Right, because through like, um, from like lack of tourism, like uh, people pulling out from conferences or like holding conferences there, because um, that, that's like a huge revenue generator. Um, and also um, because businesses pulled out. Wow. Yeah. So passing this discriminatory law cost the state of Indiana $60 million. Right. Wow. So uh, with North Carolina, after this happened with the, quote bathroom bill um like companies like paypal and deutsche bank i don't know i didn't know deutsche bank did business in america but i guess they do they decided to um not do like expansions that they had planned to do in north carolina so that's like a an economic um hardship that north carolina will have to and that's both in protest of this law and because they're saying you know we have employees who are lgbt and like we don't want to have to make them relocate to North Carolina or set up shop in North Carolina if they might be discriminated against by the laws that their state government is passing. Right. And it's and I think that like when like state legislatures do this, like they need to be more mindful of um, how they can be impacted uh, economically. And the thing about like a state like Mississippi, who's which is actually a really poor state. And they um, I had read that they they don't do that much like contract work with like other industries. So like it might be difficult to create huge economic impact in, a re- in an already existing very poor state. So the so it's not just like I feel like in this case, it's not just, you know, oh, the state of Indiana lost this money. It's like the people of Indiana lost all this money. I would wish that legislators would listen to sort of moral arguments about this and ethical arguments about these laws saying, you know, these laws are hateful. They're discriminatory. They're treating people unequally. But honestly, what they often listen to is economic arguments. Right. Saying, you know, passing this law is going to cost you this much money, um, I think is a statement that actually comes through loud and clear to legislators when they don't listen to people saying, hey, if you pass this law, it's going to discriminate it's going to discriminate against me and it's going to really spur, you know, hatred and bigotry toward LGBT people. There's this letter from a handful of uh, mayors from big cities like Seattle, um, New York City, Philly, Portland, Oakland, uh, where they have signed a statement saying that they're going to not do business or like have contracts from businesses from 
uh, these states like North Carolina and Mississippi. So like I said, like it's it's impacting just regular everyday people who could have found work. And so what happened now is that um, with this backlash, just yesterday, um, the governor from North Carolina kind of uh, had a, a backpedal a little bit and he signed an executive uh, order that expanded protection for state employees so that they can't be fired for being LGBTQ. Oh, but people in private businesses still can be. Yes, and um, and, and there's and uh, in this executive order, like he's trying to appease some folks, but but still not addressing the huge part of it was which was the bathroom bill part. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so like this is it's it's just it's so disheartening and and but. Seeing the governor kind of like backpedal a little bit was kind of interesting. And then, you know, there are also like non-economic uh, impacts like Bruce Springsteen pulled a concert from Greensboro. And then today I just read that Brian Adams of, um, of the, what's that song he sang? I wrote it down. Oh, Everything I Do For You. Remember that song? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a really good song. Uh, he pulled a concert out from Mississippi. So it's like, I think that like artists can also like amplify the, um, the issues here. Yeah. And uh, these things are both symbolic gestures. And the same thing with, with these mayors of major cities like Seattle, San Francisco, and Oakland signing on to a, a you know a promise not to send uh, their employees to North Carolina for conferences. It's symbolic in some ways. It's maybe not going to change the mind of the people in North Carolina who passed this bill, but it does help keep the issue in the news and makes it a national issue. So, so like media outlets in Seattle, media outlets in San Francisco are reporting on this, and suddenly people in those cities are reading about it and thinking about it. So those kinds of gestures, even though they're you know just symbolic, really help like keep this hateful bill in the headlines and keep people thinking about it rather than thinking oh what happens in North Carolina doesn't affect me who cares right because like we can I think often we silo um like southern states in 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 United States um to being like oh they're it's the south like they're doing their weird icky thing yeah you can like shoulder shrug and be like well what do you expect it's North Carolina but there are there are LGBTQ folks who live in Mississippi, who live in North Carolina, who, who are being affected by this. And there are also non-LGBTQ folks who are being affected by this, like in an economic way, or they're like family and friends of these people. So it um, it doesn't do any service to sort of just shrug it off and say, well, th- this is their business. It's not just their business. It affects everybody. And um, it's just it's just one of those issues that I think that um, like the more we talk about it, maybe like it can put pressure like to see the governor sort of backpedal was something that I felt like was hopeful. Um, and maybe he can look inward and really think about um, what these bills mean and how they impact um, the community that he's supposed to serve. All right. Next up, we're talking about five things that you should know about the wage gap. So this week on April 12th was Equal Pay Day. So this is the the period in which... so. On equal pay day, it's a recognition and kind of like a a weird marker of the day in 2016 that the average white woman has earned as much as the average white man did in the last year. So we get like four extra months almost to make up for, so so we get three extra months basically to make up for the, the wages that we didn't get last year on average. And so this is a time when every year we talk about why does the wage gap persist and like why are women paid less than men in every state in the United States. And so we wanted to share five things to know about the wage gap because it's often misunderstood. And even though it happens every year that we have this equal pay day, um, people are constantly debating it. And, you know, I got a couple tweets from 
angry dudes being like, the wage gap doesn't actually exist. Like, why are you still talking about this? Angry dudes. <laughs> wah, wah. Okay. First thing I want to say about the wage gap. Number one, it's not your fault. <laughs> that one of the key points that uh, people often make in conversations about the wage gap is they place the blame on women on saying like women need to be better negotiators for salaries. Women need to choose different jobs that are higher paying or women need to make different life choices like not having kids or um, getting a different major in order to make more money. So the, the AAUW, that's the Association of American University Women, crunched the numbers on this. And they found out that the wage gap is, you know, it's often dismissed as being a result of women's choices. But after crunching the numbers, the AUW concludes that a third of the wage gap cannot be explained away by any of these different choices. So even after accounting for college major, occupation, economic sector, hours worked, months unemployed since graduation, GPA, type of undergraduate institution, age, geographical region, marital status, all those things, even after taking into account all of those things, um, this study found that there was a 7% difference in the earnings of male and female college graduates. So that 7% is what I think of as just the straight up sexism tax. You know, that's if you're even, even among never married, childless, 22 to 30 year olds in metropolitan areas with the same educational credentials, males out earn females in pretty much every category. So even accounting for all those different factors that contribute to how much somebody gets paid, Sexism still plays a huge role. Okay, number two. Take it away, Amy. Yeah, so often when we talk about, um, you know, this notion that uh, women earn less than men, like, I think women kind of get lumped as, like, one big group. We are the women. <laughs> yeah, one monolithic <laughs> group. Um, without thinking about, like, the disproportionate uh, disparities that women of color face. Um, so from the same study from AAUW, um, they talk about how, like, the percentage... Um, for people of color, for women of color in particular, um, and like what the earning is uh, against um, what a white man would make. So for um, Latino women and uh, Native women, it's 59 and 54 percent. Um, so that means that for every dollar that a white man earns on average... Latina and Native American women make about 59 cents. Yes. Wow. Yeah, there's a, actually a headline that I clicked um, from the AAUW, and it said... and. Um, because Native women actually have like their own uh, wage gap day because, you know, like um, the the big over uh, overall big wage gap day is to sort of talk about like all women in a way. But this wage gap day is in September because Native women have to work nine extra months to make the same salary as white men made in a year. Wow. So five months from now, we'll be marking equal pay day for Native American women. Right. So like they're disproportionately affected by um, whatever systemic misogyny and racism is happening. Um, and then they're also, for black women, they're at 63%. And uh, Asian women fare better at 90%. But, like, just historically, it's it's black women, Latina, and uh, Native women who are disproportionately affected and actually have lower numbers than when we think about when we're talking about conversations with the wage gap between men and women. We have to be um, more intentional with saying that like this is a, a bigger group and like white women might bring the number higher. But for women of color, particularly black, uh, native and Latina women, um, they face even steeper um, discrepancy in, in wage gap. Okay, so point number three, thinking about other people who get overlooked in discussions about the wage gap, um, it's important to talk about transgender women 
Um, th- this week on our site on bitchmedia.org, writer Sam Rydell wrote an excellent piece about how trans women are overlooked in discussions about the wage gap and that trans women actually face all kinds of economic discrimination that's specific to their identity. So there's not a lot of research on this, and I wish there was more because I love data and I love research. But a 2006 study found that trans women lose nearly 12% of their earnings after they transition, and that trans men experience either no change or a slight increase, actually, in earnings after their transition. But both trans men and women uh, earn less than their cisgender counterparts. So trans women earn about 14.8% less than cisgender women, and trans men earn about 5% less. Um, So when you're talking about who's discriminated against economically, it's really important to keep that in mind. Also that in a majority of states, 30 states, it's legal to fire trans people, that uh, gender identity isn't a protected class when you're talking about why somebody gets fired. So that's a form of economic discrimination too that's not talked about very often when you're thinking about why is there this gap. Okay, point number four, I'm going to go for it which is that when you talk about the wage gap, you also have to think about minimum wage and the role that minimum wage and who makes minimum wage plays in the general pay disparity. So when you think of the minimum wage, people don't always think of it as a gender issue, but actually women make up about 62% of minimum wage workers. So when you look at increasing the minimum wage, that helps out a lot of women. And women are disproportionately represented as minimum wage workers working at places like Walmart, as well as in industries where they rely on tips, like, you know, as servers at restaurants or as baristas in coffee shops. And so uh, that's a big reason why there's this, this wage gap is because more than the majority of minimum wage workers are women. All right. Point number five? Point number five is that there are actually jobs that exist where there's a minimal uh, wage gap. Um, so in a couple pieces that I found, like on NPR and AmericanProgress.org, um, some of the jobs are like being a health technician or being a counselor or being a pharmacist um, or being a buyer for a wholesale and retail. <laughs> like <laughs> That's the industry to get into. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, I read that and I was like, man, I would love to be like a buyer for forever 21 i don't know why i thought that i was like oh i can just go to like trade shows and look at like juniors clothes that's like my dream job and i can get like paid well i could see you killing at that job and you would get paid as much as your male counterparts yeah but another interesting thing that i found while i was researching this was um there's this time piece that just came out and so it listed a bunch of jobs where Uh, men and women kind of have um, similar pay. And one of the things that they pointed out is that in in the positions where men and women have similar pay, it tends to be positions where there are already a lot of women. So like being a special education teacher where there's 85% women, um, the parity is pretty, the, the pay parity is pretty good. And so in those industries that are female dominated or female majority, the pay gap decreases? Yes. So um, there's another uh, New York Times piece that talked about sometimes how when women enter sectors that were historically male dominated, the pay kind of like lowers. The the overall pay that people get in those sectors declines. Right. And so um, so even in when we're talking about like, wow, like there's less pay disparity in these types of positions, we also have to think about like, well, uh, maybe like the pay came down because it's a female dominated field. One other place where it's interesting to look at the pay gap being smaller than it is in the country overall is in federal jobs. So uh, the federal government has pretty like rigorous guidelines about how much you get paid for each position. And it's, there's like a lot of regulation about 
you know, when you can get promoted and that kind of thing. So they have a lot of rules around how much you can get paid for how much. And that has in part helped decrease the gender pay gap where, you know, in society at large, we're saying women make about 79 cents on the dollar for the average man if they're white. Um, in the federal government jobs, it's a, the wage gap is only about 12.7%, which still isn't equal <laughs> in any ways. But it's about half of what the wage gap is nationwide. So it's interesting to look at, okay, when you actually have rules around how much people should get paid in certain positions and it's not left up to the subjective minds of the boss or the HR department, what happens? The wage gap gets cut by half. I think that's interesting to look at. It's like one of those instances where you kind of have to give it up to bureaucracy and <laughs> doing its thing, <laughs> begrudgingly being like, oh, I guess. Hooray for bureaucracy. <laughs> so at the end of each show, we recommend one thing we watched, one thing we read, and one thing we heard each week. Amy, I know you've got something you read. Yes. So, uh, ha- like... I want to let people know that April is National Poetry Month. Oh, yeah. And you love poetry now. You're a recent <laughs> poetry convert. I'm like a, a poetry baby. Like, um, there's lots of things about, like, p- quote, poetics that I don't, I just don't understand. I'm just like, wow, there's just words on a page that look really nice. Uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to get into it more. And I picked up um, this really great book by Aziza Barnes. Um, she's a great poet. And the book is called I Be But I Ain't. And it's published by Yes Yes Press. Oh, I love Yes Yes Press. Yeah. And uh, this book is just, first of all, it's beautiful. Like the cover is nice. Like the way it feels, like the way the paper stock <laughs> is nice. <laughs> I love the way it feels in my hands. Um, but Aziza Barnes is super talented and um, has such a, uh, like a great evocative voice. Um, and it's it's fun to read. and I, And it's like a little bit difficult for me challenging for me because I like I said I'm like super new to reading and like digesting poetry but it's like a challenge that I want to take on when I read her work um so for instance like in this new book um a lot of it is about like addressing uh what it means I, I feel like about for Aziza's place being a black queer person and in the opening poem it's about um killing a centipede <laughs> in their in her apartment and um it, this poem I, I feel like it's about like feeling alien and also like searching for something like home as a black queer person and I just wanted to read um, some of the last lines from it when one of the antenna dropped the other left to twitch without an audible pattern stuck as a corpse to a woman who was often not allowed to leave or forced to stay very far from where she began I guess you can call that exile which is something I do understand I thought a colonizer's thought not, I'm sorry, or I shouldn't have killed it. But if I don't kill it now, how will I find it again? Ooh, that's really great. I thought a colonizer's thought. Damn, Aziza. <laughs> I was just like, Whoa! so I'm super into this. Um, I've I'm just started reading it, but I really like it. And I think folks should pick this up. And it's called I Be But I Ain't. Yes, by Aziza Barnes. Great. Um, okay, well, one thing I watched is I watched... I found this really funny video that was going viral that I loved um, that was about a mansplaining hotline. (laughs) Have you heard this? Uh, You mean like call anybody (laughs) on your phone? (laughs) No. Okay. So this is a comedy. This this is a comedy trio uh, who made this little video about starting up a mansplaining hotline. Let's listen to like 15 seconds of the video. Hey guys, want a woman who's going to listen to your every word? Then call the mansplaining hotline. Actually, in Star Wars Episode 7, Rey is a textbook Mary Sue. There's no way she'd be able to use a lightsaber like that. Tell me more. 
I don't know anything. Our uninformed girls are waiting for you to explain simple <sighs> concepts in a super condescending way. And the team that's featured in the video are three women. And I was like, who are these women? And what is this hilarious show? Well, it turns out uh, that the women behind it are named Nicole Byer, Jessica McKenna, and Allison Rich. And they're on the, a new show called Party Over Here, which is actually on Fox, on t on the actual wow. TV. <laughs> on the box. Not, not just on the internet. <laughs> they are on the actual TV. Um, their show Party Over Here just debuted in March, which explains why I hadn't heard of it before. And it's executive produced by the uh, comedy trio, The Lonely Island, if you remember oh, that. Oh, yes. With Andy Samberg. Oh, I have a super crush on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they executive produced this show that has that stars three female comedians doing sketch comedy. And so now I'm like, this is this seems awesome. I want more of this, even though it's coming from Fox. That's fine. <laughs> I'll still watch it. Anyways, again, it's called Party Over Here. Look it up. And uh, so far, this mansplaining hotline video is their funniest one so far, but they just started in March. So... Hopefully we'll see some more good stuff. Right. All right. So let's talk about music. Um, we have a feature on our website. It's called New Music Mondays, where we uh, feature like a new video, a new single, a new record, a new EP. And recently I wrote about... Um, oh, and it's every Monday. And it's a female front of band every week. Right. Yes. Not those just those some, are the key details. Yes. Not just some <laughs> rando dude bands. Actually, I wanted to say... Like, we get a lot of, like, PR emails from folks that do PR for music firms. And um, we get so many for all these generic, basic-ass white guy groups. And I'm doing this thing now where I email those PR firms back. And I say, can you stop sending me things from, like, if you're going to promote a white guy group? And I haven't heard anything back. <laughs> oh, really? The way, yeah. I, the way I say that, because I also, I look at the photo and then I look yes. at their website. And I'm like, are there any women in this band? For me, I I really love the feeling of saying like, hey, we want to cover female fronted bands. We're going to make that a priority versus a lot of publications that don't think about that and just, you know, take whatever lands in their inbox. So for me, I always feel like a jolt of power writing back and being like, oh, yeah, please, we're, we cover female fronted bands. I, love, I really like that you feel empowered and whereas I'm like rage clicking, <laughs> like delete, 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 left, right, left, right, <laughs> working out. Anyway, so my point is that recently I wrote a New Music Monday uh, write-up about a group called The Singer and The Songwriter. And it is a group made up of two people. Their names are Rachel Garcia and Tu Tran. And they're a Los Angeles-based duo with like jazz-influenced, folky kind of um, guitar-y music. It's so sweet and good um uh rachel garcia's voice just like is so warm and even when like she's singing about maybe sad kind of topics it still feels like lovely uh it's just really enjoyable to listen to they just released an ep called ballads for trying times and i want to listen to the first track off of it called nights and weekends and the group is the singer and the songwriter thanks so much for listening to back talk thank you thank you thank you do what you love Nights and weekends In empty bars To scatter the applause Giving your all Part of the time
have exciting news. So many of our propaganda listeners wrote in to ask how you could support the show that we created a brand new Beehive membership level, the Podcast Pollinators. Join fellow listeners as a member of the Podcast Pollinators, and when you do, you will receive a special mug, a subscription to Bitch Magazine in print and digital, a snazzy sticker, and Listen Bitch, a brand new monthly roundup of all our podcast shows and music reviews delivered straight to your inbox. Become a podcast pollinator today at bitchmedia.org slash pollinators. That's bitchmedia.org slash pollinators. Thanks for listening to Backtalk. This podcast is hosted by Sarah Merck and Amy Lamb from Bitch Media. The show is produced by Alex Ward. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Long to wait.